Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Money Matters Wealthy Thinking with Alfred Edmund Jr. Welcome to Money Matters Wealthy Thinking. I'm your host, Alfred Edmund Jr. Adult children returning to live with their parents, whether after completing college, a financial crisis, a divorce, or other life transition, is a common occurrence. However, when you allow your children to move back in after they reach the age of majority, it is a mistake to do so under the same terms as when they were minors and you have both parental authority and responsibility for them. On this edition of Money Matters Wealthy Thinking, I'll share why, to minimize conflict and to protect your financial stability, you need to identify with adult children not as a parent, but as a landlord. Also, more than 25% of marriages are distinguished by having a wife with an annual income greater than that of her husband. Such marriages and other long-term committed relationships present challenges to the health of both your finances and the relationship. If you are in such a marriage, or you plan to be, you definitely want to hear my conversation with Dr. Dawn DeLavalade, MD. Best known for her book, She Makes More, Inside the Minds of Female Breadwinners. In addition to being a practicing physician who has personally experienced being the primary breadwinner in a marriage, Dr. Dawn is focused on being a source of information, advice, and encouragement for female breadwinners who want to have strong relationships and healthy marriages. Trust me, this is a conversation that you do not want to miss. But first, adult children returning to live with their parents after completing college, a financial crisis, a divorce, or other life transition is very common, especially in many cities where the cost of renting seems sky high, while home ownership may be no more affordable or not desirable depending on where a person is with their life, career, and finances. For many good reasons, allowing your children to return to live with you as adults can be a good thing for everyone. However, when you allow your children to move back in after they've reached the age of majority, it's a mistake to do so under the same terms as when they were minors and you have both parental authority and responsibility for them. To minimize conflict and to protect your financial stability, you need to identify with adult children not as a parent, but as a landlord. Unlike when they were minors, they are no longer living in their home, even if they stay in their old bedroom. They are now tenants in your house. For both your sake and theirs, you must treat them accordingly. That begins with requiring adult children to sign a mutual living agreement, which outlines the terms under which they will be allowed to live in your home. This is no different than what they would be required to do if they rented living space in the home of a person unrelated to them. In fact, the house rules common in room rental agreements can provide a starting point for the terms of your agreement with your adult children. The agreement should cover ground rules such as the maximum length of the living arrangement and under what conditions it will or will not be extended. 
what monthly financial contributions the adult child is expected to pay toward the cost of rent, mortgages, and utilities. Responsibilities for cleaning and maintaining the home, especially common spaces including kitchens and bathrooms. Under what conditions and during what hours will guests be allowed or not allowed in your home? What habits and behaviors such as drinking, smoking, drug use, loud music, etc. will or will not be allowed in your homes and under what terms? What resources of the home, such as food and toiletries, are available to them and which are they expected to purchase for themselves? Again, you do not have to create this agreement from scratch. There are plenty of great templates of parent-child contracts for adult children living at home to be found online. However, it is critical for both your financial stability and your sanity <laughs> to make it clear that you will not hesitate to enforce the terms of this agreement. You must also be prepared to require your adult child to leave if it is not honored. In fact, if you doubt that you'll have the heart to put him or her out or enforce the agreement, it's best not to take him or her in to begin with. More important, if this is meant to be a temporary arrangement, treat it as such. Have a real deadline for when adult children must leave no matter what and require them to lay out and execute a plan, working a job, saving money, completing a degree, apartment hunting, and other moves for making that happen. Whatever you do, resist the temptation to go back to parent mode unless you really want to be a permanent caretaker of adult dependents over which you have no parental authority. That's a scenario that Nightmares and the Dr. Phil Show are made of. Trust me, you don't want none. Check out EmpoweringParents.com for great advice and resources for parents who take in adult children. You're listening to Money Matters Wealthy Thinking. I'm Alfred Edmund Jr. We'll be back in a moment. Support for Money Matters Wealthy Thinking and the following message come from State Farm, who knows that many Americans struggle with their finances and most have never been taught how to manage them. Starting today, State Farm wants to change that by giving people the tools, help, and education they need to take control of their money, putting financial well-being within the reach of everyone. Now you can find out more at letstarttoday.com. State Farm, here to help life go right. And now for my conversation with my guest, speaker, author, and advocate for high-earning women who want healthy relationships, Dr. Dawn DeLavalade, MD. Best known for her book, She Makes More, Inside the Minds of Female Breadwinners. In addition to being a practicing physician who has personally experienced being the primary breadwinner in a marriage, Dr. Dawn is focused on being a source of information, advice, and encouragement for couples with female breadwinners who want to have strong relationships and healthy marriages. Listen up as I speak with Dr. Dawn about why the foundation for a healthy relationship and finances in marriage begins with honesty and transparency about finances before you say I do. So, Dr. Dawn, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Alfred, so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. 
What led you on the path to this particular mission of being a source of advice, information, inspiration for female breadwinners and those in relationship with them? Well, you know, they say necessity is the mother of invention. So for me, I was a physician and I married a teacher. So clearly in my relationship, I identified with the female breadwinner uh, title and um I had some struggles and some challenges with that. A lot of times we think that it's the man who has the issue, but to be honest, it was actually me who had more of the issue than my husband did. <laughs> and that's just because my marriage felt like it was backwards from what I saw growing up. I didn't see any examples of, you know, the woman as a higher earner. So I kind of went through a storm and struggle, and my book was really my catharsis. It was really my way to kind of free myself from my own internal um, issues with being the higher earner. And since then, I have never looked back. This is my mission, my passion, and um, I'm just, you know, always happy to talk about this. One of the things I loved about your book when I reviewed it is that while this book may be about female breadwinners, in many ways your primary audience for the book, though it's not the only audience for the book, are men. Um, so mm-hmm. again, to get inside the minds of you and women like you. Yes. Um, it's really a manual, right, because here's what happens in these relationships. So many of us are still focusing on that traditional dynamic, the hierarchy, the male is the provider, the source of income, the female is sort of the second in command, um, maybe not as educated, as knowledgeable, as worldly, the man is the head, da-da-da-da-da sort of thing, right? So any time that we're going against that, the woman comes in this relationship as a powerhouse, she's got her degrees that out surpass his, she's got her career, her money. So they tend to walk on eggshells as a couple as far as some of their very honest conversations about what they need that they're not getting. The communication is very lacking with these couples and with these partners in the outside world. So they don't have anybody to talk to, not outside the relationship, not inside the relationship. So I just thought it was really important to give this sort of woman, which, again, that was me, a platform to be able to say all the things that she's afraid to say to her husband, just get it out there in the world. And for most of these ladies, this was the first time they had ever sort of revealed some of these hidden secrets and feelings. You stress the importance of having these conversations, if at all possible, before you get married, before you commit, as part of the process of deciding whether you should even go forward in a relationship with these dynamics. Yeah. To me, I think date four is kind of the sweet spot. (laughs) And don't ask me why I choose date four, but I just feel like by date four, hey, you guys are digging each other. You know, maybe in her mind she's starting to think, oh, do we have a future I can't speak for men because I don't know when you guys start thinking about (laughs) a future. But um, at least by day four, you guys probably have something in common. Your vibe is good. You're compatible in some sort of way. So I think it's best to just get it out up front. Like if if she knows she is a banker or she's a dentist or she's an attorney and she knows that he's – you know, maybe a paralegal or he's in, you know, a blue-collar field or something where it's very obvious that she's probably earning more than he is. Just get it out. Get it in, on the table. Have the courage to say these things up front. So what do you think about relationships that have a woman as a higher earner? And he can he can either respond, well, you know, that was my situation with my parents. I'm okay with it. I've seen it work. 
Or he could say the opposite. He could say, oh, no, I would never. You know, my daddy always taught me, you know, the man is needs to be bringing in the money. So we need to see where is his head at, okay? Is he for it or is, is it something that he can never accept? Because I truly believe there's a segment of men who will never be comfortable with that dynamic. And you need to figure out if he's in that category sooner rather than later when your feelings and your emotions are all tied up into a future with this person, and then you realize, you know what, he really is never going to be okay with it. Or your money's all tied up in a future with this person. Yes. <laughs> which can be very, very uh, difficult. Uh, my latest um, e-book is called Buy Love, Get Trouble, Sell Love, Get Screwed, How Your Decisions in Pursuit of Sex, Love, and Relationships Impact Your Business, Career, and Financial Success. And oh, wow. we do a deep dive into, we have to remind people that a marriage contract is a financial and legal contract, not just a spiritual and emotional one, mm-hmm. which is why you go to court, not to church, to get it absolved. Yes, right. <laughs> and people forget that until it's too late. Um, you go back maybe, to your pastor, like the pastor, he's like, I can't help you now. I can't help you with that. Like you said, if you have a high-income career or you have a very successful business, you know, the average failed marriage cycle costs each partner $100,000. Mm-hmm. And that's just for that regular run-of-the-mill average couple. Let's not even get into somebody who maybe has a six- or seven-figure income right. or a really yeah. valuable company. So your points are totally well taken, and that's why, again, I love your work and I love your book. What are some practical things that you would give as pieces of advice for female breadwinners? Once you begin to have the courage, because it really is about courage, about communication, Okay. A lot of us consider ourselves courageous people, but when it comes time to have conversations that require a certain amount of vulnerability, we shy away from that. And that is a challenge in these relationships. You must, must, must learn how to have very intimate conversations about very difficult things. So I think it's best to go ahead and start that pattern up front. Okay, let's start good habits and preserve them for the relationship. But, again, it's about... Hey, up front, what do your finances look like? And this is not about judging anyone, right? If people want to start talking about, hey, let's put all of our financial um, business on the table. What are your assets? What are your debts? And I mean specific numbers. I'm not talking about, oh, just give me a general ballpark. I'm talking about documents, specific numbers, credit scores. We're all we're both laying out information out because. It becomes very important. Again, it requires a certain amount of vulnerability to put yourself out there because we know that money carries a lot of emotion behind it. Whether you're ashamed of something in the past, you feel guilty, you feel angry about child support obligations, you feel proud about accomplishments that you've made. Money has a lot of emotions. Let's put it out there, okay? So then it becomes we are not walking down the aisle, or we shouldn't, <laughs> until we are both on solid footing from a financial standpoint. Because if you think of marriage like a house, okay, and each of you serves as a pillar for the foundation of that home, one of you is on very uh, loose financial footing, your credit score is bad, you've got outstanding debts, you've got liens, you've got bankruptcy, overwhelming child support, whatever it is, then one pillar of that home is going to be sinking. And that is not the way you want to start off in a marriage because let's face it, money cannot buy happiness, but you need money and you need credit to start a life together, to buy a home, to get certain other acquisitions. And what you don't want 
is a man that's going to enter into a relationship already feeling second best, feeling guilty, feeling like he doesn't measure up with the low credit score. Because guess what? His name can't go on the house that you guys are going to buy. His name can't go on any uh, or on any other assets, a car, other things. And that just kind of it sets up the road for having these emotions like guilt, shame, low self-esteem. You don't want to start your marriage on that foundation. So just take the time, 12 months, 18 months, sit down with a professional, get everybody on solid footing, get his credit score up, get him in a better place, and then walk down the aisle. Again, you can get more great advice and access other resources from Dr. Dawn DeLavalade at meetdrdawn.com. That's meetdrdawn.com, where you can also download her free e-guide, Top 10 Things That Female Breadwinners Need to Know About Relationships. You can also learn about the Female Breadwinners Online Summit, which is also free. And check out her latest book, What High-Earning Women Need to Know About Divorce. If you have any questions you'd like me to address, send an email to alfrededmondjr at gmail.com and I'll answer them on future editions of this podcast. That's alfrededmondjr at gmail.com or you can follow and direct message me on Instagram or Twitter at alfrededmondjr. This is Alfred Edmund Jr. with Money Matters Wealthy Thinking. Be sure to check out my latest free ebook, Buy Love, Get Trouble, Sell Love, Get Screwed, How Decisions in Pursuit of Sex, Love, and Relationships Impact Your Career, Business, and Financial Success at GrownZone.com forward slash buy love, get trouble. And do not forget to subscribe to Money Matters Wealthy Thinking on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review. I'm Alfred Edmund Jr. at AURN.com. Thanks for listening. Come back for more next week. Money Matters Wealthy Thinking, a product of American Urban Radio Networks. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.